Courage and Faith with Radio Maria. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sport and Faith at Radio Maria. Um, I'm Laura Mitchum, here with my co-host, Father Toby. Hi, Father Toby. Hello, Laura. Lovely to be with you. Yes, our episode number four, I believe. We're, we're rolling along with the series, and um, we're very pleased to welcome Leo Orobor today. Um, Leo, do you want to say hello and uh, introduce yourself? Hello, Laura, and thank you for um, having me and Charles, and um, good afternoon to Father Toby. Good to be with you all. Um, I am currently the chaplain of Cambridge United Football Club and also the um, founder and manager of Corinthians Football Team, which is a non-league um, football team that plays on Packers Peace. Brilliant, and we're looking forward to hearing more about that. So, um, yeah, we're really, really excited to have you have you on, Leo. You're um, very, very interesting, interesting man and perfect for our sport and faith um, show. So you're based in the Cambridge area where you live with your wife and, and your two daughters. How old are your daughters? Um, 13 and 11, but it feels like they're 25 and um, 30 because they're just way ahead of me in terms of just the knowledge and the wisdom. And they have made me lose my hair. But great, great girls. Um, <laughs> my first daughter is called Anika and my youngest is called Gabrielle and my wife is Uni. Wonderful, wonderful. And um, the sun is shining on the studio here in Cambridge, which it feels worth noting because we've had some, some really rotten weather. Um, Father Toby, how, um, how has your week been? Any, any sort of highlights that you'd like to share? Um, my, my week's been uh, great. I think they just keep flying by. The, uh, the, the, the thing I'd like to share, or uh, I'd like to be able to, to hear Leo's voice, unfortunately, I can't hear him oh, at, no. the, at the moment. That's definitely something worth sharing. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear Father Toby really clearly. Um, oh, I can hear Leo now. Yeah, wonderful. great. Perfect. Well, okay. now... A rich voice. That's wonderful. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so that's now the highlight of my day. That's that the highlight. Okay. <laughs> well, now that we can all hear each other, um, when I had a, a pre-call with, uh, with Leo last week, uh, we... we um, he started in a prayer, um, which I found really um, powerful and good for setting setting the scene. So I thought, even though we're we're live on the show, that it might be nice to just gather gather together and and say a prayer. So, um, are you happy for me to lead, Father Toby? Feels strange to have a yeah. <laughs> priest on the yeah. call and for me to offer to lead. Please do. Okay, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um. We thank you. God, our Father, for bringing us here today, despite recent challenges that we've had with storms and COVID outbreaks amongst Radio Maria staff and volunteers, and obviously the challenges that the world is facing, serious challenges right now. Um, our, our thoughts go to everyone that, that is suffering, everyone that has has lost their, their peace of mind and, and their sense of physical peace and security. Um, and we pray, we pray for all of our families and all of our audience listening and all of, all of their loved ones as well. And we just um, bring them all to the Lord in this moment. And we, we pray for an inspired conversation that we will have a fruitful discussion and that um, 
although sport can be seen as a, you know, just a pleasurable activity and a hobby that we will help to bring bring to light the the spiritual significance of of sport and its um, significance for our faith. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Okay, so now we can um, we can get on with the interview. I've got so many questions to ask. Um, Ask Leo. So, so first of all, Leo, um, your football, your football ministry. How how did that come about? Yeah, good question. Um, so, probably about over a decade ago, uh, I always tell this same story about um, the inspiration that my wife actually provided for the football ministry starting. Um, so, my wife doesn't like football. Um, she will tolerate me watching Manchester United um, on Champions League days or the World Cup, whether it's England or whether it's Nigeria playing. She's a big supporter, but she doesn't like football. So, fast forward, she's watching um, a TV series called Uprising. And Uprising is a Christian ministry that was started by some professional ex skateboarders. And she really took to it, and it was a reality TV show. And um, she says to me, come, Leo, come see this. Come see the skateboarders doing ministry in California and look at these interesting things that they're doing with the skateboards flipping here and there. And and I was curious, and I started watching with her. And um, as we began to follow this series, um, my wife posed a question that I think is the genesis of um, Corinthians football started. She goes, I wonder what it would be like to kind of have football doing ministry um, to young people. Um, she just said that. And um, and I just really felt inspired and challenged by that question. I think what it did for me was made me realize, actually, if my wife doesn't like football and she's encouraging me to kind of like think about starting a football ministry, this has got to be something of God moving here. And so what quickly happened was I began to follow the uprising ministry very closely. And they had a skateboarder called Brian Sommer, who was from um, the UK. I think he left the UK when he was 15 to go to the States. Um, to you know, to pursue his career in, in skateboarding, and I think Brian's story of using skateboarding to kind of engage with young people really spoke to me. And um, in a time when there was not no, no such thing as um, fresh expressions, um, kind of like church communities, I thought actually let's think about how I can start a football ministry and um, how I can invest in that. And I invested in some goalposts, twelve by six goalposts, and thought. Um, I'm just going to speak to some church friends and see if we can just get kick about at um, Jesus Lane and. We got there and um, turnout was quite low the first few Saturdays and there was a bit of me thinking, what am I doing here? I made this investment in buying goalposts and everything else and footballs and felt a bit silly, which is usually the journey that it feels like when you're being you're doing something in terms of what God is sending you to do. And of course, we prayed about it. And then we had a turning point, a turning point when some students joined us. Um, we had some Chinese students who came to play with us and, you know, the team began to grow slowly. And whilst we were playing there, um, one of the students asked me a question and said, um, have you thought about playing a Packers piece? I think given the history of Packers piece and given the centrality of Packers piece and just where it is, there'll be a lot more people coming in. And I think for what you're trying to do, I think you can really attract a lot of people from all backgrounds. And again, this young student wasn't Christian. And um, I thought, again, God is speaking again. So of course we upstick and we moved to Packers piece. And um, yeah, we just really grew from there. Um, I remember designing some leaflets just to kind of like talk about who we were and why we're doing what we were doing. And given to some young people who came to kind of play football with us and say, oh, can we play with you guys? And we're like, yeah, of course, just join join in. 
Everyone uh, at the park's looking for someone to play with, right? Yeah. And who's going to be the first to say, <laughs> can we play with you? And I, yeah. I think children do it so naturally. And I think as adults, we definitely find it harder. I mean, hmm. um, I, I definitely over, over lockdown used to go out with my football by myself and okay. found it a strange experience. And it's sort of forced upon me because of the lockdown. But yeah. I was at the park and I... I felt shy. I thought, you know, shall I ask these people <laughs> if I can play with them? Yeah, it's so, and the thing is, it's so true, Laura, because football has got such a gravitational pull that you know, you if you can play football, you could probably be standing watching the guys playing football, watching the girls playing football. You could either get asked and say, "Do you want to come in?" and people jump in, or you ask and say, "Can I play with you guys?" or "Can I play with you, ladies?" and it happens, and that's what happened with the Corinthians. And very quickly, the team grew with players from all backgrounds from. Anglia Roski University to Cambridge University to um, young adults to people who are working, unemployed. The whole kind of group of people started coming down to play football and um, we just, you know, grew from there. Amazing. Can I just ask, how did you originally go about trying to get players then? Like who, the, the first few Chinese students, did you, you were just rocking up at, at Jesus Green with a football on the posts and seeing who would turn up or you were advertising in a church or anywhere? Just very much like, you know, um, going to be fishers of men, like Christ said to the disciples. We just turned up and we were just at um, Jesus Green and um, people just saw us playing there. And I think, um, just like Laura was saying, people asked the question, oh, can we join in? And our invitation um, was very simple. Yeah, join in. As long as you can play football, you can run around and, you know, um, not hurt yourself. Yeah, you're good, you're good to go. And that's how we grew. And I think something that helps with, um, I think, with football is word of mouth. So... As long as we were consistently present at, um, you know, Jesus Green initially from 10 to about, you know, half 12, people started coming and started coming to play. And summertime as well, it works a treat. People come and want to play football and they want to come and go as they, as they please as well. So if somebody wants to play for probably half an hour, that's enough for them. That's not a problem. Um, and then when we moved to Parker's Peace, it grew again. I did design some leaflets that I gave, I gave about, but if I'm honest, I don't think the leaflets did anything. It didn't, I can't track somebody coming because they got a leaflet. It was word of mouth. It's word of mouth. Football is just, it sells itself very, if I can use that word, very easily. And then we just grew from there, really. And what's your uh, football background? Did you used to play a lot when you were young? Unfortunately, I've already judged you as a, as a Man U fan, so your pedigree's... <laughs> obviously, I'm glad you said it, Father not, Toby. Not, <laughs> yeah, your pedigree's obviously not great, but in spite of that, maybe you can a little bit about football in your life. I have to ask you, what team do you support, Father Toby? Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, my goodness. We're looking up to you guys. Well, for now. <laughs> it's Leeds United for me, so I don't really have a, a, a look in this conversation because we're way at the bottom of the table. But for some reason, there's still this Man U, Leeds United you of know, course. rivalry. You're even wearing a red jumper right now, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Which has nothing to do with Manchester United, but yeah, no. I love red. But no, um, and just to, before I go to answer your question, my last game at Old Trafford, actually, which is many years ago, was actually watching um, Leeds versus uh, United. And that's when they had Alan Smith playing for them. And then we signed him on, I think, a, a year or season later. So not to rub it in, Laura. Old wins, but... <laughs> old wins. <laughs> the glory days. Yeah, yeah. But what was the question again that you asked? Can you can you, can you remind me? It's about me? your football background, Leo. My football background. So I'm I enjoy playing football and enjoy watching it. Um, I play as a striker, um, but never played at a professional level in any league level. Just kind of played for my school secondary team when they picked me, and most of the time I was on the subs bench. And um, just I think my 
my um, chance of playing football came really through Corinthians. I did actually have a go at playing at a university team uh, when I was at Angaroski University and scored a goal by accident, which is always good. Um, but nothing <laughs> of a professional level. But I, I enjoyed the game and I played to a decent enough level. I was um, I was very I just sort of um, picked up on the we just turned up that you said you know mm. we just turned up and at the beginning you felt a bit silly but you just consistently turned up and I think that's something we could dig into a little bit more I mean in previous uh, conversations Father Toby and I have talked about the fact that that we both row and with rowing there's often uh, much more of a feeling of responsibility to turn up because the boat can't actually go out unless mm. everybody in the crew mm. turns up. You can't go out in a rowing boat with an empty seat. Mm. And I think sometimes with some other sports, you know, there's not that same kind of obligation. And I think personally, for all of us, that that challenge to just turn up, whether it be sport or, or something else, I think that consistently turning up actually deserves a lot more credit than sometimes we we give it a lot of time we focus on the skill or the outcome or, or the perceived success of something rather than just the the consistent practice of turning up and and I think that is a, something you could apply definitely across a sport and faith what what do you think definitely I think um spot on there Laura I think um turning up um actually propels values and I think of values of if you are turning up and you're consistently there you're actually showing that you care I think so for Corinthians, which is a you know a football team that is non-league and is a voluntary kind of like um, what I would call a community interest group, um, the question people are asking is why are you here, um, and they see us coming week in week out. Um, they they know that they can play football and we provide bibs for them to wear. We provide goalposts for them to to, to play at, and um, when people see that they're inspired by that kind of voluntary kind of like um, selfless commitment to just see a community thrive and flourish. So I think turning up means that, you know, you want to see people enjoy a game of football, enjoy sport, and actually just the well-being that comes from being in that community and playing football or playing in whatever sports that people participate in. So I think also turning up speaks about sacrifice and commitment. So I can't ask the volunteers who come to um, serve so well at Corinthians to turn up without turning up myself. There's that. It's almost like you're passing the baton. You're passing the baton of like you. Do, I think the word that you use, which I think is something that in our society we need to kind of like explore and unpack more, is this thing about responsibility. It goes back to when Christ says, "Love thy neighbor as thyself." Um, it goes beyond the simplistic of saying just the words, but the praxis of that is that you are there for people. I'm giving two hours and a half of my time on a Saturday morning, regardless of whether to play with football players. Um, to give people a forum to play football at no cost. Um, people respect that and people, um, when they get to kind of like figure us out as a football team, as a family, I, I always say that, you know, Corinthians football team is a family. I always say whatever your background, whether you're um, agnostic, whether you're an atheist or male, female, um, whatever your beliefs or whatever, whatever your culture, or whatever your tribe, you know, you're part of the family um, at Corinthians. And um, that is always encouraged. In fact, when I give my team talk, one of the things I always say to them is, look, guys, um, our value is to kind of like promote forgiveness in the football team. And I say to them, um, I'll be asking you for forgiveness in advance because um, I love to, I dream like I play like Paul Scholes, but I tackle badly like him. I don't play anything like him, but I tackle. But you're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to tackle you really badly. And it's not intended. It's just because of my poor ability. 
And so these are kind of like practical fun things that we say to each other. But actually when the game, when you cross the white line and you're playing a football game and actually you make a bad call, which I have done, um, the players are looking up to me and saying, OK, look, does Leo live by the values that he's saying the team embodies? And um, yeah, I, I like to think that most of the times we're able to do that. And I think also when we make the mistake, responsibility also means that you own up and put your hands up and say, look, I've got this wrong. And that's something that happens in the football team. So, yeah, I think responsibility is a big thing. I think we, we need to show more of because I think people, when people see you being responsible and being sacrificial and showing the cost that you're giving to something, I think it speaks more than any sermon that you can preach from the mountaintop, really. Yeah, there was on that forgiveness on the pitch, there was a, a really beautiful um, moment which has gone a little bit viral of uh, Brentford against Norwich. You've mm. seen when uh, Christian Eriksen um, essentially wrestled, I think, player Williamson to the, to the, to the ground on, on Norwich thing. And, and, uh, and the player falls on top of Eriksen and he's sort of grabbing him by the, by the shirt and a you know, it looks like he's going to give him a good shaking around. And then he realizes that it's Christian Eriksen. Mm. And after everything that Eriksen has been through with the heart, he then, he then turns from being on the, what looked like on the cusp of giving him a thumping mm. to, to give him a big hug. Yeah. And uh, it was a really beautiful move. And it showed because of what had happened to Eriksen, I think with his illness, it had, he's, he's seen through a slightly different lens and a, and a bit more human than maybe sometimes players sometimes look at one another. So that was a lovely example of forgiveness on the pitch yeah. recently. And people really like that because it's gone viral. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Football's really, I, I, I'm quite cynical of, of professional football these days. And um, often I find more things to kind of frustrate me and that I see are, are against what the values should be than all these beautiful things that you're talking about, mm. um, Leo. But actually in, in adversity and difficult times, I mean, you, you mentioned Christian Eriksen example, Father Toby, but also, you know, um, we've also had the viral moment of the, the two Ukrainian players from opposing teams hugging each other in, in the wake of everything that's happening. And, and in a way, it does stir my soul to think we've not lost all of that yeah. solidarity. And, you know, the, you know, you think of um, the, the World War and the football game that yeah. happened, you know, putting all political differences aside to play a game. And it reminds you that those 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 values and that idea still holds true. And, and it doesn't matter what people's backgrounds are. You know, it's that inherent goodness that people that people have that I think can give us hope yeah yeah I think the word that you used there is very um true um Laura about inherent goodness and I think that's what we are hoping to uh, you know to appeal to um when we come together as a family because family we, we, we have our shortcomings but we also have you know this desire to advance the common good which is what you're hoping to kind of like see come true of course it's frustrating when we see um the side of football um that is very unpleasant but and for the most part, when a community or when a family works well in a, in a football context or in a sports context, um, I think it brings a lot of um, healing, actually. I think it's, it sends a message that does more good than the negative that we see, you know. Whether we think about moments, I, when um, you were speaking, Laura and Toby were to give an example of the um, Norwich and, and Ericsson and Brentford incident, I was thinking about also going many years back, if we think about um, Paulo De, um, De Canio playing for West Ham and he has an opportunity to score and as he's about to, I've used the story before, as, he, as he's about to score, I think the goalkeeper of the opposing team runs out and gets an injury and Paulo De Canio has a chance to score and he doesn't score, he takes the ball and holds it and you know, that, that's a moment that is like, hang on, he's thinking about the human who is actually, who's got hurt. And that's what, you know, 
we should be about as a society, as a world, where whilst we have this beautiful game that brings us all together, but beyond football, it's about actually how do we work well as a team? So if you win, we're, we're friends, but when we lose as well, we shake hands. And these are values and principles that we want to see more of that I try to encourage in Corinthians or Corinthians tries to kind of like inspire in the players. But it's, again, against the background of, of a game, as you rightly say, Laura, that has, in some ways, there's that question that has football lost its soul? And that's a big conversation for another day. But yeah, um, it, ultimately, what we're looking to see is the values of actually saying we are family. And family means that we're working for each other and looking to inspire the best from each other. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it, it's time that we have a musical interlude. So we're gonna we're gonna play this song identity that you've um, requested, Leo. Do you want to just give us a little uh, bit about why you why you like this song or why you've chosen it? So I'm a big fan of Lecrae, and I think I was going through. I remember on being on the Central Line and um, you know going to work and to the civil service, and uh, I was working then for the UK Football Policing Unit. And at the time, I really enjoyed my job. But this song really spoke to me because at this time, I was thinking of leaving the civil service. And I just like the fact that the message of the song is that we're more than the job that we do. We're more than the clothes that we wear and more than the house that we have. And I think it really put into context the decision I had to make about stepping away from a secure you know, job to kind of like go into like ministry, which was going to be like a, a pay cut, which is going to be like a huge sacrifice. I had young children. But I just, I think the identity was in Christ. And the song kind of, you know, switch my focus back to Christ and say, he's going to see me through what looks like a very stormy, kind of like uncertain, you know, territory. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't expecting quite such a deep, <laughs> deep reason. That's great. Listen to it now. Secure dude, check. But she won't feel me and they won't like me if I ain't in them J's or them brand new Nikes. Let's stick deep from inside my psyche. When it's all said and done, even I don't like me. He lives in the gym and his hair stay faded. Late model cars, so they think he made it. He's Christian, he gave his life, but he still ain't satisfied in the Savior Christ. Still finds his identity and looks and cars. If he only knew that he ain't have to look so hard, if he looked in God, it may seem odd, but he'd be so satisfied he can leave it all. Now, I'm not the shoes I wear, I'm not the clothes I buy, I'm not the house I live in, I'm not the car I drive, no, I'm not the job I work, you, you can't define my word, but nothing on God's green earth, my identity is found in Christ, you found in Christ, hey, how do I gauge success, what do I say I'm blessed, huh, is it the car that I drive, or the place that I rest, or the way that I dress now, now, it's the cause of my pride, the stage and the set on my face and the press now, now, it's the applause that dies when the praise is less, if my face is depressed then, then, it's cause my value of works and the volume of the work I produce in the booth, in the booth, it's the prize and the curse of defined by the perks when the truth is through, it's through, man, I won't feel like I don't wanna live no more, no more, no more, cause they don't like me like they did in 04, 04, 04. So I swallow my pride and power by God, I'm complete in him. He's got peace, God's peace I'm in. In his presence, we can strength, meet his kin, we can reverence. 
Thank you. We um, we didn't listen to the full song there because we've got so much we want to talk about. But <laughs> <laughs> I like asking guests for their um, recommendations because we end up with some nice different different types of songs. And um, it's amazing the songs that can inspire you as well because I've listened to a lot more praise and worship music in the last few years. I never used to at all because I'm not really from a background where that was kind of encouraged. But then I was, um, I was driving yesterday um, to Cambridge to do the, the half marathon, which we were talking <laughs> about before uh, the show. And uh, I think it was uh, U2, Beautiful Day came on and I hadn't had time to do my morning prayer. I just ran out of the house, you know, to do the run. And I thought, I'm going to make this song a prayer because you listen to the lyrics and, and it is and it often can be, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely love um, Beautiful Day because it used to be like the, I think the soundtrack to one of... Match of the day, I think some years back it, yeah. used, to, it used to be. It's yeah, a beautiful it does day have time. a football yeah. link, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, has, yeah, it has a really. And I used to look forward to watching, um, you know, match of the day. That was a good good day, is when United was was still playing quite well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, music is really powerful, and it, it, it is inspiring in so many ways. So my um, question, while we were listening to the song, was actually I've been meaning to ask why you called your football team Corinthians. Yeah, good question. It, it, it's funny that. Um, so when we were kind of thinking about a name for um, the football team, um, we, we explored Galatians and I remember asking, you know, Christians and non-Christians what they thought about the name. And it, it got many thumbs down, like, no, Galatians doesn't sound like a name for a football team. And I thought, what would be a good name? So this, the short answer, answer is actually it was inspired by Corinthians in Brazil. There's a football team called Corinthians, um, which um, is one of the top teams in the Brazilian football um, um, league. I hope I've got that fact right. And um, so I just like the idea of what Corinthians stood for as a football team. It's, it isn't Christian. It's just um, a, a football club with a very strong history. So that was one inspiration. And we kind of had a, a team vote and the name Corinthians just stuck. And I, I'm i also a big fan of this, you know, Paul's letters, you know, to the Corinthians, which I think for some people it, it splits them into two camps, people who find it really hard and difficult to understand. But there's some things in Corinthians that really speak to me, um, especially when Paul talks about, like, you know, he will not be mastered by anything. Not everything is beneficial for him. And that just really speaks to me. And I thought, actually, there's a lot that is good about the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians that is a good thing to kind of have a community of people that are playing football under this banner, under this name called Corinthians. And then we found out also that um, there is actually um, a history of a football team called Corinthian Casuals in the UK that has got a longer history than the history of the Corinthians football team in Brazil. And so we, we haven't had any contact with them, but just listening to their story and going online to know who they are, I was like, oh, wow, so we're not actually... Um, alone um, in this business of having this unique name Corinthians so that's the short and simple of it it's just um, it's almost like which kind of like Bible chapter would be the best name for a football team certainly not Matthew but (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like the Holy Spirit had something to do with that naming as well definitely definitely for sure yeah yeah thank you So another question then is about, you talked about the history of Parker's Peace and when you decided to move from Jesus Lane to Parker's Peace. Um, Do you want, for anyone that doesn't know in the audience, should we talk a little bit about the historic link between Parker's Peace and football? Yeah, I I think, to be honest, um, Laura, it's a very good question you asked because at a time that we were, I would say at the beginning, Genesis of um, Corinthians, we didn't really know the history of um, Parker's Peace. Um, And... A bit like how we, you know, we came up with the name Corinthians and then afterwards found out that we've got Corinthians Casuals that plays in the UK. It's got a long history. And then obviously 
we were inspired by the Corinthians link with um, Brazil. I think when we found out about um, Pakistan's history was when I think and was during the Olympics. Um, so um, I think um, the 2012 Olympics, I think it is. I need to get my dates right. And just um, when there were some events happening in Pakistan's peace, we stumbled upon the history of what Pakistan's peace meant, um, how you know regular football started at Pakistan's peace, and how the rules of actually the game and that inspired the football association came from Pakistan's peace. And that was an incredible thing because we thought about just the strategic nature of how Pakistan is situated in Cambridge and how it brings people flocking in from the north, south, east and west of, of the city to play football there. And that it has a big inspiration for football in our country. It's just mind-blowing. And so um, even for us thinking about how when we do every now and again with some Christians, I do a prayer walk around and Pakistan peace. That for me is a very powerful kind of like witness to Actually, we have people who have been playing in this football ground years ahead of us. And I wonder if they've been praying. I wonder how that prayer is tied to where we are now, um, playing in this you know, nice football um, park and using that as a platform to witness to people of all backgrounds and all faiths. So for me, I think it's, it's, it's the richness of the you know, historical link to um, you know, it being the birthplace for the football rules that we see influence our football association now. And then it's the idea that has, we have our ancestors who have been playing football on that pitch. And then we are carrying that on. And not just Corinthians, but anybody who drives past Parker's Peace on any given day, we see so many different activities happening, whether it's people playing frisbee or, you know, badminton or kind of, cricket is also something that happens on Parker's Peace. So it's just a rich ground that has had a lot of investment of prayer, ideas, and a community spirit that we are still kind of like, building from i'm fascinated by the idea of a, a prayer walk around there and i wonder if you could just speak about that and also tell us a little bit more about what what you do on on top of the um once you've got this community gathered around a, a love of football and a and a, and a and a sort of open community what what flows out of that thank you so there's a couple of things in terms of i think i'll start off with the prayer walk and then the prayer walk starts from as you would appreciate father toby um when we endeavour in any kind of like um, community um, activity to engage people and reach and shape people with the heart um, and message of, of, of Christ, um, we felt the need to kind of like just walk around the ground and pray for the people in our community. And that prayer was essentially saying, Lord, that what we are doing at Parker's Peace, let it actually kind of like attract the people that um, don't know um, Jesus. And we're praying that also that we can connect with people who want to serve in Corinthians. And so the prayer work is inspired by a work with fellow Christians who want to see this, the, the town beyond football as well, beyond, you know, beyond football, want to see people kind of like um, inspired to kind of like live out what it means to follow Jesus. The second thing I would say about prayer work that's quite recent and interesting is, um, you know, we have a group called the Cambridge Revival Hub, which has had a um, chance to meet a pack of peace. This is, the group was formed in response to the COVID crisis where, um, you know, worship communities could no longer meet in in a, in a church building, and um, the idea was, what would it look like to come out to Parker's Peace to to be a space where we could pray and worship? So that's the second thing that actually was birthed quite recently in terms of actually prayer. Um, in regards to your question about what, how do we kind of like run community at Parker's Peace? So we, we we have like a kind of regulated kind of like setup. So I will typically get to Parker's Peace at about probably just before nine. 
And we have a very good relationship with the YMCA. And the YMCA um, help us hold our, our football equipment. And they also, I have to kind of like praise the YMCA. They allow the young people come and play football with us as well. So we get the football items. We set up the goalposts 12 by 6. And um, I come together with some of the volunteers and we pray after we've set the pitch up. And we pray about what we're going to do, the training session we're going to hold. We pray about uh, um, the team talk we're going to give. And then we pray, we pray about the fitness drill that we do as well. So this is what it looks like when we, when we start at 10. We have um, a 10 minutes um, like exhortation, but we never really kind of have a team talk for that long. And that would just simply be just me sharing a positive message to the football players. The players stand in a circle, whilst I'm sometimes in the middle or amongst them. And we have a kind of like a slogan that we say. We say this, we say... Um, and I get the players, almost like the New Zealand kind of team, to kind of like do this kind of like chant and say, we're not born to make a living, we're born to make a difference. And everybody says that three times and give a big fist up in the air just to kind of get the players encouraged. And then the second thing that we do is that we run like a fitness drill and that is run by, uh, we have a volunteer coach, Mark um, Savage, who runs a very good um, fitness session. And then he runs a training drill. All of this provided free. Once we've done that, um, depending on the number of players who are there, we pick usually um, maximum um, 11 a side, minimum 8 a side, and then we just play football. And we play um, a game of 90 minutes, have a half time, and then after we finish playing football, um, the whole team comes together again, like a community, like a communion. We have a team debrief and just share about how did you feel the game went for you? And everybody gets a chance to kind of like, you know, share their frustration or their joys of winning. And when we've done that, um, I nominate, you know, one of the players to kind of give us a closing prayer. And then we close off and when we finish doing that, um, everybody packs up and kind of like those who want to kind of like go away and probably go to the pub or um, do something in town, they would do that and uh, we call it a day. So that's generally what the Saturday looks like for those who are coming to play football. Sounds brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> I'd love to do it. <laughs> You're more than welcome, Laura. Until we... No, I would definitely try and get up to Cambridge one, one, one Saturday. I haven't played in a while, so that'd be that'd that'd be lovely. Yeah, that would be my concern as well. <laughs> <laughs> we would train you. We would we would let you go through the fitness drill. It's light. Just think about the scripture that Christ says, "My yoke is easy and light." So we would give you a very nice, you know, gentle kind of like training, and you would fit in just well. If I can play, anybody can play. <laughs> yeah, I think your uh, your premise of can you can you run around and not injure yourself? I might even question whether I'm I meet that criteria. <laughs> Um, yeah. so in my mind one of those older players now who, who's allowed to determine their own fitness regime and just uh, just turn up for matches as, as, as they're as they're able so. <laughs> yeah. we're um, we're gonna have another song um, and it seems appropriate uh, considering what we've been talking about um, it's it's build your church by elevation worship and maverick city and uh, definitely sounds like that's what you're doing to your ministry there so leos here we go thank you our chief cornerstone no other foundation can we build upon not philosophy nor the wisdom of man all other ground is sinking sand upon
Definitely a couple of uh, motivational lyrics in there that you could use in your team talk, perhaps. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I have a, a closing question and then maybe uh, Father Toby will have one as well, um, although I feel like I could keep asking you questions. Um, my, my advice is you talked a little bit about um, obviously how you started this ministry and also um, about a point in your life where you decided to you know, leave your job in the civil service to pursue ministry. Um, and I just wondered for anyone who might be listening in the audience or anyone that might be a host on this program that's thinking about taking that leap to pursue their calling in a in a deeper way that feels that God's speaking to them or, or just feels that sense of restlessness that there's something else for the kingdom that they that they need to to go after. Would you have any sort of advice as someone that's kind of taken that step about how to how to go about it? Maybe a small step. Mm. Yeah, very good question, Laura. I think the first place um, to start from is a place of prayer, to be prayerfully seeking what, you know, um, God is saying and how God is leading um, that kind of like inner, what I call um, passion and, and restlessness to kind of make a difference um, um, in ministry. I think that's the first thing to be doing, which is to be praying about that. But also I think there's there's something about actually um, speaking with family and friends about, you know, the plans and the vision that the person has to kind of like pursue a ministry. I think that's very crucial to have, because I, like I mentioned at the beginning of the program, um, my wife played an instrumental role in ensuring that I got the support that I need. But also I think not just the support of your loved ones, like in my case, my wife and my family, but a church has a role to play. So I think it depends on the person's um, back, church background. I think... Um, so, for example, if somebody was considering pursuing a ministry in sports, for example, I wondered if if they were an Anglican background, um, what um, support and resources does the Anglican Church have to provide to support that person? I think you should be speaking to, the person should be speaking to their vicar about their, 
you know, their, their passion and ideas. And there's tons and tons of support out there that the Church of England has to support people in what you know in in ministry, sports ministry. I think it's a new area that most churches are beginning to look at. I don't know what it's like for like the Baptist church, but they might have something too. So I think it really depends on your denomination. At the time that I was pursuing ministry, I was at um, a Pentecostal um, denominational church, um, evangelical church, and um, I had several conversations with a church leader. And just to know that I had the prayer support from a church leadership, um, just to have them, because when I started the first um, um, game at um, Jesus Lane, um, I had my fellow Christians, brothers and sisters, come and join me. That's crucial. That's critical. Um, I think it's also important that you, when when one is thinking about going into ministry, that you have um, the support of funding, because in anything you need to have funding support. So whether that's actually getting a grant, you know, speaking to the local council, um, this place um, where you're thinking of starting this sports ministry is a, is a deprivation, you know. Is it going to meet a need? Or could you partner up with what's already going on? Um, so there's a whole host of things that can happen in terms of actually pursuing ministry. But I think definitely it starts with a place of prayer. It starts with a conversation with your family and loved ones. It starts with the support from your church. And what kinds of uh, networks does your church have that can support you in the sports ministry? What kind of training do you need to have? Um, I think also the there is this um, need to kind of like know what kind of youth training do you need to go through, what kind of sports ministry training do you need to go through. For example, I, I as I probably said at the beginning of the program, I'm a chaplain for Cambridge United Football Club, but I had to, um, for me to become the chaplain, um, I was uh, I was approached by Sports Chaplaincy UK, and they provide an induction training and give the support, and they have a support network. So I think those are some of the things that I think I I, I would encourage anybody who's looking to start to um, not be afraid, um, ask lots of questions. Um, don't be afraid of asking questions um, of people who are doing something out there. Uh, and, and, you know, both Christian and non-Christian, there's a lot of non-Christian um, kind of like um, sport organizations that are doing quite a great number of things. One advice I would give, though, which would be a good starting place is to kind of um, approach um, Christians in Sports. Christians in Sports is an organization, organization that is um, national and there's tons of resources and um, FAQs that you can go on to that can actually lead and, and give direction and a steer to kind of get into sports ministry in the right way. And also I think Christians in Sports hold workshops, which would be good for anybody who's thinking about starting a sports ministry to go to these conferences and workshop, workshops and learn what it takes to kind of like start um, ministry. Wow, definitely some lots of tips and things to think about there. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Father Toby, do you have a parting question? Yeah, I was just I was fascinated about the the work at, um, at Cambridge United and, and I was really pleased to see um, I was looking up before this news that they actually sort of have a have a web page for, for sort of your you as chaplain on 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 their website and uh, and just when you were mentioning I, I was interested there to, to hear a bit about like what what sort of induction do they give you for chaplains in sport and what are the specific sort of issues that they that they train you on beyond mm -hmm. what a normal minister might receive in his training? Yeah, that's a very good question, Father Toby. I think um, Sports Chaplains UK, I think probably the best way to kind of answer that question would be to look at the values of Sports Chaplains UK, which is something called, if I try to remember it now, PERCH. And it's an acronym which basically stands for, um, P stands for presence, E stands for excellence, 
R stands for relationship and C stands for confidentiality and H stands for humility. Now, presence, um, what happens in, with Sports Happiness UK is that you are trained how to have a presence in a football um, team. So that means that you're trained in terms of what does it take for you to be a chaplain that is present around the staff and the players? What are the do's and don'ts of relationships with the players in terms of your presence? If you are, in, as you would imagine, and for the topic, in, in sports, it's a very kind of like fast moving environment. And so if you're not present, you're not going to build a relationship. Um, so the P is how are you present? And Sports Happiness UK gives you that training. And I think what is really important and, and helpful about Sports Happiness UK is that they have chaplains across the country nationally. So there's that exchange of good practice that you hear. So you have a workshop where, for example, the chaplain of Leicester Football Club will share about their experiences. And if you're an up-and-coming chaplain, you need to hear that. You need to understand the mechanics of what it takes to be a chaplain at the Premier League club. Being a chaplain at the Premier League club is very different to being a chaplain at the League One football club. You know, um, what kind of ways do you, do you relate with players and, and the staff in the league club at, at the Premier League level and and and, and, the, and the non-league level too as well? So that's the first thing, to kind of like um, that you're trained to know at Sport Chaplains in the UK. The next thing is about excellence. Excellence, basically, it could be, it can sound like a scary word, like, oh, you have to be like, um, have this PhD qualification. It's none of that. It's actually excellence is saying, actually, what does it look like to have integrity with players that you, um, when you say you're going to show up, you show up, um, that you are bringing um, a level of support to the players when they need. Typical example, if a player falls, um, gets an injury and um, they are taken to a hospital, Excellence means that you show up and go and see the player at the hospital, which I have done and which chaplains do. Uh, it means making that phone call to the player who's not in the first team. It means showing interest in the under-18 players who are not there. These are things that are not seen, and, and this is what makes people value chaplains because chaplains are not acting in the capacity of the club manager who's going to pick players based on their performance. Uh, a chaplain is there for everybody regardless of performance. So excellence is a very key thing. The next thing on Perch is relationship. Relationship is really key. Um, how you build relationship with the kit manager and the groundsman and the um, match officials and stewards is very important, how they are valued. So, you know, relationship is a key ingredient of being a chaplain. And that's something that, you know, you get training um, with Sports Chaplains UK. And they also sign a code of conduct. So Sports Chaplains UK will sign a code of conduct with the football club saying, these values are the values that we want to see of our, in our chaplain when they relate with your football club. But also, we want to see these values from you when you relate with the chaplain and when he's doing his role. So relationship is a key, um, um, significant part of training. So as a chaplain, I, I am supported by my fellow chaplains and the National Sports um, Chaplaincy Director who uh, make sure that I get the support and the resources that I need. And then lastly, the last two things is, the, the next two things that they train us, in and how you're equipped for your role as a chaplain is about understanding what it means to be confidential with the information that you receive from a football player. Um, that it's not divulged in the way that undermines the trust and 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 your the credibility and the institution of Sports Chaplains UK and yourself too and the club. So knowing to hold information in the way that is not going to put the player or staff or anybody at the club at risk is key and critical and training is provided for that. And then lastly um, the, on, on H is for humility. Um, the idea that 
you know, as a chaplain, you you have to be humble in terms of how you distinguish your duties because you're not there to be sat at the director's box and to kind of like, in the, I want to use the Roy Keane example, to be eating prawn sandwiches and <laughs> um, living it up. You're there for the <laughs> the everyday people in the football club. You're praying. You're you're there to kind of like be humble enough to be able to be approachable to to be supporting the fans when they lose a loved one, to be supporting the football player when they're not in the first team. All kinds of things. So we're praying for staff who are worried about their jobs when the, the club is not doing well in the league. Those are the kind of things that um, sports chaplains in the UK provides that training and support for. I hope that answers your question. No, that's a, 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 great, a great answer. And, I'm, I, and you've, you've left me very, very tempted to say that the, the prawns have stepped out of the corporate box at Manu and now on the pitch. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. That'd be, that'd be a dreadful thing to make my final contribution. Thank you for um, thank you for that in depth um, answer, Leo. I was fascinated to hear more about what what sports chaplaincy involves. So that's great. Um, it's been absolutely great speech. You. We're going to uh, play out with your your final song now, which is um, Cornerstone by Hillsong Worship. So thank you so much for your time coming in to speak to us, and, and thank you, Father Toby, as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, Leah. I'm, I'm about to go and celebrate Mass, but I will pray for you there. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.